Out by the nearby lake, a young woman was out doing her weekly chores. While washing clothes by hand and hanging them to dry isn't the most fun job in the world, she didn't mind that it came with gorgeous views. But little did she know that this day in particular would be the last time she'd ever wash her clothes in the lake again. But before we begin, if you love cryptids and want to learn the full story, both the legends and the facts delivered as a narrative story, then this guided tour is for you. Dive on over and tap the subscribe, like, or review button depending on where you watch or listen. Now, grab your silver bullets and get ready. The tour is about to start. I'm Elaine, and you're touring Cryptids Across the Atlas. Out on the shore of Loch Mask during the 1600s, it was the perfect afternoon to catch a few fish. The sky was clear, the water still, and the man was eager to catch that night's dinner. Born and raised in Western Ireland, he knew this lake like the back of his hand. Having fished these waters since he was a young boy, he knew that this time of the day the fish were active and biting. After paddling a mile out from shore, the man sat in his canoe, set up his fishing line, and patiently waited while basking in the warm afternoon glow. After about an hour or so, he had quite the catch. Satisfied with the day's earnings, he began paddling back to the shoreline. When he glanced across the waters, he noticed a dark figure off in the distance, perched on a small island a couple miles out. Knowing this lake was home to the local otters, he didn't think twice about the figure and began heading towards the shore. But just as he turned direction, the otter quickly dove into the water and feverishly swam up to the man's boat. As the man felt his boat start rocking back and forth, he looked over the edge to see what he had hit. That's when the otter ferociously bit down on the man's elbow and began dragging him under, with blood darkening the waters. Thinking quick, he remembered the knife he kept in his right pocket and lunged it towards the otter's head. Wounded, it released its grasp of the man's arm and quickly swam deeper into the water. Not knowing whose blood was surrounding him, his or the underwater beast, he wasn't going to stick around long enough to find out. Swimming back to his boat and catching his breath, he ferociously paddled back to the shoreline, swearing off fishing in the lake ever again. Not only had his afternoon fishing been in vain as the fish had disappeared from his boat once it had finally tipped over, but whatever had attacked him was not your average otter. As the man later described, the beast looked like a hairless greyhound with black, slimy skin. When news got out, other local fishermen began sharing their own stories of the beastly otter. One story included a man who had been fishing out with his wolf dog alongside him who had been struck by a similar beast. But after a long fight, losing against the man's most loyal companion, the otter gave up and swam away. Several months later, when the lake had gone down, the man went back out to search for the creature and found a rocky cave. Inside, he found upon a rock the creature who lay deceased. The beast was said to have the face of a dog and the body of an otter. This they called the Dover Coup. Found throughout northwestern Ireland and dating back to the 17th century, the Dover Coup is known as the Irish Waterhound, the Hound of the Deep, or in some cases, the Irish Crocodile. Legends describe this beast as half dog, half otter, with a white pelt, black ear tips, and a black cross on its back, and ranging from 10 to 15 feet in length. According to Irish folklore, the Dover Coup is said to follow its prey from water to land and can crush shells, the bones of birds and mammals, and has an affinity for human flesh. It's also said to attack in pairs, and that if one fails to catch its prey, 
It lets out a loud whistle and its mate rushes in to finish the work. Scottish writer Martin Martin shares his depiction of the Dovar coup in his book, A Description of the Western Islands of Scotland. Published in 1703, Martin states that the hunters say there's a big otter above the ordinary size with a white spot on its breast and this they call the king of otters. It is rarely seen and very hard to be killed. Seamen ascribe great virtue to the skin for they say that it is fortunate in battle and that victory is always on its side. And according to author and British folklorist, Dr. Catherine Mary Briggs, in her book, The Anatomy of Puck, written in 1959, she equated the Dovar coup as the master otter due to its significant size. In Irish folklore, some stories share that the king of otters never sleeps and can only be killed by a silver bullet, much like werewolves. However, the caveat is that you'll probably also die as well. In many of these stories, those who kill the Dovarku may themselves die mysteriously within 24 hours. But there's still a slight bit of hope. In other stories, the Pelt is known to have magical protective powers, passing on the belief that an inch of the master otter's pelt will prevent a ship from being wrecked, a horse from injury, and a man from being wounded by gunshot or other means. Still, it's probably best not to take your chances. Magical or not, the Dovar coup definitely has a dark hold on Irish history. One of the most popular stories to date, and quite possibly one of the saddest, is the story of Grania Connolly. In the early 1700s, Grania Connolly and her husband Threloch McLaughlin had just recently married and were living in their newly purchased home. While Grania was out doing the laundry at the edge of the nearby lake, she heard a strange noise coming from the shoreline. By the time she looked up from hanging her linens, it was too late. The horrid, dark beast arose out of the water and lunged straight toward her. Screaming for help and trying to run away, the dark beast quickly overpowered her. As Threloch heard her plea, he quickly came running from inside the house, but he was too late. Just as he approached his wife's lifeless body, in a pool of her own blood, he also saw the Dovar coup looming over her. Full of rage, mixed with pain and mourning, Threloch jumped on his horse and trampled the beast just as it let out its final SOS whistle. Hearing all the commotion, Threloch's friend came riding on his horse just as the Dovar coup's mate sprung out from the water. But after quickly realizing that their horses couldn't outrun its speed, they dismounted and hid behind a wall. Just as the beast noticed the horses taking off running, it quickly charged after them. That's when Threloch saw his chance to jump out and spear it. Unfortunately, the Dovar coup wasn't the only animal that had been slain. The feeling of victory quickly came and went when he realized that his horse had too been struck. Not only did Threloch lose his wife, he also lost his trusty steed. Later, when Threloch went on to share the story, he described the beasts as half wolf dog, half fish. And while this story may sound a bit out there, what's even more haunting is that in the Cornwall graveyard in the Glenade half parish of Kinloch, there's two tombstones with Grania and Threloch's name written on them. On Grania's tombstone, it shows the year she died, 1722, as well as the depiction of a large otter. While massive dog-like otters roaming the lakes of Western Ireland and terrorizing newlyweds may sound a bit far-fetched, it may not be as wild of a tale after all. If you ask scientists about the validity of the Dovar coup, they'll probably tell you about something eerily similar, a creature known as the Siamagel Melalutra. 
In 2017, in the wetlands of southern western China, scientists discovered the remains of an extinct otter about the size of a wolf with strong-looking jaws in an old coal mine. After finding the cranium, mandible, and a few teeth, researchers believed that this massive otter roamed the earth nearly 6 million years ago. According to Denise Su, the curator and head of paleobotany and paleoecology at the Cleveland Museum of Natural History, the remains are huge, bigger than anything I've ever seen in terms of otters. While otters like the marine otter or the North American river otter can grow up to the size of a small dog, or even sea otters and giant river otters that can grow up to 75 pounds, they don't hold a candle to the massive proportions of the extinct Simigel Melilutra, hypothesizing the otter measurements being about six feet long from snout to the tip of the tail and weighing about 110 pounds were definitely not described in the cute otters who juggle rocks for fun at the local zoo. According to Dr. Jack Singh, the leader of studying the prehistoric otter's fossilized skull from the University of Buffalo in New York, he shares that, we don't know for sure, but we think that this otter was more of a top predator than living species of otters are. Our findings imply that the San Miguel could crush much harder and larger prey than any living otter can. And while otters are some of my favorite animals, I'm not so sure I want to be anywhere near the San Miguel Melilutra, much less the Dovar coup. Given the handful of stories I've just shared and the prehistoric remains found a few years ago, there's really not much else to date about the King of Otters. And I'm sure you'll probably agree with me, something this massive and predatory lurking about in Ireland, I'm kind of happy the stories are few and far between. We have great distance between us now and the Dovar coup in the 1700s, or the prehistoric San Miguel Melilutra from 6 million years ago. However, there is one more sighting that I have yet to share with you. While 2003 feels like ages ago, knowing that the Dovar coup may have been sighted only 20 or so years ago is still pretty chilling. According to Irish artist Sean Corcoran, he and his wife were spending some time in Connemara when they spotted a Dovar coup on Omi Island, in which he described it as a large, dark creature making a haunting screech and could swim fast and had orange flipper-like feet. Although I haven't personally found anything else in my research describing the dark water beast with orange flippers, I'll just have to take his word for it. Join us next time as we head up to Lake Superior, where a mythical aquatic beast is said to live deep within the underwater caverns and learn of one diver's terrorizing encounter that sounds less like an underwater excursion and more like a late night bar brawl. If you love cryptids and want to learn even more about the creatures we just talked about, find us on TikTok or Instagram. Just search username at the cryptid atlas. By the way, the episode you just witnessed is both a podcast and YouTube video. So whichever format you prefer, we have you covered. Also check out our interactive cryptid map to browse the globe and learn about cryptids from your favorite areas. Every episode we make adds another pin to our map. You can find our social channels, the map, and more at thecryptidatlas.com. And when you find us, be sure to tap that follow button and get in on the action by dropping a comment on our recent videos. If you enjoy the show, consider sharing it on with a friend. Sharing the spooky love with someone else is the best compliment you could ever give us. And if you listen on Apple or Spotify, consider leaving an honest review to help other listeners know what to expect. Thanks for touring cryptids across the Atlas. Until next time, keep your eyes open. You never know what you might see just on the edge of the road.
and the early 1700s, Grana Colony. In the early 1700s, Grania Connolly and her husband Treloc McLaughlin. In the early 1700s, Grana Connolly and her with Grania's what was it? Grania. I know his name. Grania. 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 Okay. On Grania's tom. On Grania's tom. Mm-hmm. 